Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a step study. Today we're doing the incredible journey completing step number 12. So pull out that dusty guidebook of the steps called the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions and get ready to go. What we're talking about with step 12 is really interesting. Some things that people love to say. One of the things people love to say is all the other steps were divided up amongst the other chapters, but step 12 was so important. It got its own chapter in the big book. It is lengthy in the big book and it goes into depth. In contrast to the big book, the 12 and 12's version of step 12 really attacks it from two different angles. Uh, the first angle that we'll cover in this part, part one of step 12, really looks at it from a change, the spiritual awakening, how to describe it. What are you actually doing? What comes with it? What are you required to do now that you've had this spiritual awakening? And that is one really interesting thing. And it talks about some of the roadblocks, some of the things that we'll see in life that are different. You know, how are we acting still that prevent us from staying in conscious contact with God? Then in the second part, we'll go into relationships and how we literally live out the 12 steps in all our affairs. So the first part is really an understanding of this spiritual awakening that comes as a result of the steps. And the second part is how to live out this in all our affairs. That's exactly how the step is written, right? Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So getting started, there's a a really, really neat idea from a guy that influenced the 12 steps a lot. And I wanted to read this to you. It says, touching lives one by one is fascinating business and involves some of the most rewarding and beautiful human relationships that can possibly arise. The whole idea that you can't keep what you don't give away is built all in this in the opening sentence of the 12th step or the chapter working with others in our big book is practical experience shows that nothing, nothing, meaning nothing, no other thing, right? Nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Those are some hardcore words, you know, ensure, right? Protect us into the future, into the unforeseen world. Protect us from this alcoholism, nothing, not one other thing, then intensive. Ask yourself, am I working intensively with other alcoholics? And in this step, we're going to talk about what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean sponsorship or speaking, which is something I like to do. It doesn't mean that there's a lot of different things that you can do it. Are you supporting those people? Blah, blah, blah. We'll go into that. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that will ensure immunity against alcoholism better than intensive work with other alcoholics, and it goes way beyond that. So we start in step 12 in our 12 steps and 12 traditions with that idea that we've had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, so important. And the, the critical idea here also is the God that we've arrived at now, the idea of God, the concept of God, isn't your own version of God, which so many times people want to make it, right? We want to maintain that control. I get to create God, and by doing so, I stay in control of God. We're hoping that you stepped a little further away 
from that God that was the group AA and that God that was the book of AA and that God that was the intensity of new recovery that I, I really am motivated by pain and suffering and that I'm going to move into this other framework with God that is the God that we of Alcoholics Anonymous put forward in this world as something of your higher power, the power greater than you. But it's really just one thing. It's just your perspective of it, your own understanding that's going to be different than, well, everyone else's. So let's dive in. It says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and, and in addition to that, and to practice these principles, these constants, these spiritual laws, these unchangeable things to practice these principles in all our affairs. And it opens up with such a great sentence, right? The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step. The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step. And action is the key word. Here we turn outward toward our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Outward. We look outward. It's not, what am I getting out of it? It's what can I do for them? Here we experience the kind of giving that we give. We give experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. Me, we, us, and those about us may find emotional sobriety. We get to go first. We get to set the demonstration. We get to bring this into difficult circumstances. When the 12th step is seen in its full implication, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. What we've all been after, that sense of security, satisfaction, significance. Man, it's right here. Our 12th step also says that as a result of practicing all the steps, we have each found something called a spiritual awakening. Whew. To new AAs, this often seems like a very dubious and improbable state of affairs. What do you mean when you talk about a spiritual awakening, they ask? Well, maybe there are as many definitions of spiritual awakening as there are people who have had them. But certainly, each genuine one has something in common with all the others. So he's going to draw this thread. He always does that for us, right? Bill likes to draw us a thread. How do we come together? Not why are we different, but how are we alike? Here it is. And these things which they have in common are not too hard to understand. When a man or a woman has a spiritual awakening, ready? Here we go. The most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do, feel, and believe, meaning able to do it, able to feel it, able to believe it, able to believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. He has been granted, just given as a gift, granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness, a new awareness of things, a new idea of things and being. He has been set on a path, set, set on a path, like picked up, set on a path. He's been set on a path which tells him he is really going somewhere, that life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. That, that's such a challenge for me. In a very real sense, another critical thing, he has been transformed because he has laid hold of a source of strength, which in one way or another, he had hitherto or up till now denied himself. It's always been there. I denied myself. Alcohol cuts me off from the sunlight of that spirit. He finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, 
peace of mind and love of which he had thought himself quite incapable. What he has received is a free gift. And yet usually, at least in some small part, he has made himself ready to receive it. A free gift, right? I got in there and really worked the steps. I've done so much. I've paid restitution. I've said my ninth step stuff to people. I want, man, it's it not free. What are you talking about? It seems like I did a lot of work for it. But just remember that none of us, including myself, I, I've been unable to achieve this. If I could have done it without AA, well, I would have. If I could have gotten the life I had today without the help of God, I would have. <laughs> I would have. I wanted it so badly, but I denied myself the pathway, which is this higher power. AA's manner of making ready to receive this gift lies in the practice of the 12 steps in our program. So this is how we maintain the gift. So let's consider briefly what we have been trying to do up to this point. So this is a cool thing. We're going to go through a review of the steps. Kind of gives you an idea if you're like, if you're ever sitting around going, I don't know how well I did on step one, six or whatever. Go right here in the 12 and 12 and just, just read the brief summary of the step and ask yourself, am I there? Am I there? Am I there? Step one showed us an amazing paradox. We found that we were totally unable to be rid of the alcohol obsession until we first admitted that we were powerless over it. The powerlessness is power. Humility gives me the ability. In step two, we saw that since we could not restore ourselves to sanity, some higher power must necessarily do so if we were to survive. Oh, so I'm going to need some help here. I need some sort of help. Consequently, in step three, we turned our will, our thoughts, and our lives, our actions over to the care of God as we understood him. For the time being, we, who were the atheist or agnostic, discovered that our own group, or AA, as a whole, would suffice as a higher power. So we're just going to follow a different set of directions, right? And if you just don't believe in none of this spiritual mumbo-jumbo, just follow the instructions in AA. We're just going to blindly do it. It's going to say, okay, I'll do it. And you do it to the best of your ability, right? And then we go on, it says, beginning with step four, we commence to search out the things in ourselves, not in others, which is so easy to do, in ourselves, which have brought us to physical, moral, and spiritual bankruptcy. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Looking at step five, we decided that an inventory taken alone wouldn't be enough. We knew we'd have to quit the deadly business of living alone with our conflicts and in honesty confide these to God and another human being. That's such a powerful thing to be able to do. That strange reverse pride, that idea of selfishness that's really self-centeredness, that it's all about me, that I better, you know, I'm going to, people are going to think of me a particular way. I have to stand up and be some sort of character in this world. I have something to live up to that I've said, even if it's dishonest. And I can't do it. I can't do it. And I want out that it, if I take it to God and to another human being, I'm telling you this works. I, I get a release from it and I'm able to then hear that humility gives me the ability to hear the solution through prayer and other people. It's really just amazing. Amazing. At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all of our defects of character removed because we still love some of them too much. Yet we knew we had to make a settlement with the fundamental principle of step six, meaning that we're just going to go ahead and recognize I might want to continue to lie to so-and-so. I might want to continue to 
do something that hurts other people. I might just want to do it. I just don't believe it hurts some, you know, it's whatever it is. Recognize that when this stuff comes forward, that we're, we're going to settle, have a settlement with it. We are willing to change it. There's, I'm not going to never, ever let this go is the idea we're trying to avoid. So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought nevertheless to quit our stubborn, rebellious hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. Then in step seven, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we asked. It's a daily deal. How do I clear my palate so that I can go out and serve God? How do I find my way into making God and my fellow man the most important thing today and not so much me and what am I getting out of it? That's step seven. And step eight, we continued our house cleaning for we saw that we were not only in conflict with ourselves, but also with people and situations in the world in which we lived. We hurt other people. We had to begin to make our peace. And so we listed the people we had harmed and became willing, made agreement with ourselves to set things right. We followed this up in step nine by making direct amends to those concerned, except it when it would injure them or other people. Such an important thing. And that's, for me, that's getting with a sponsor. It's finding out somebody else's thoughts on that. It's a way of taking a look at things that doesn't need to be done right now so that I'm perfectly willing when the opportunity comes to set the record straight. By this time at step 10, we had begun to get a basis for living and we keenly realized that we would need to continue taking personal inventory and that when we were in the wrong, we ought to admit it without delay, promptly. In step 11, we saw that if a higher power had restored us to sanity and had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in a sorely troubled world, then such a higher power was worth knowing better by as direct contact as possible. I love it. The persistent use of meditation and prayer we found did open the channel so that where there had been a trickle, there now was a river, which led to sure power and safe guidance from God as we were increasingly better able to understand them. So there's our summary of the first 11 steps. And you just go back. Those are great statements to compare. Uh, step six says we have the measuring rod. And if you want a really brief measuring rod, Maybe that's it right there for you. I like to use that. I like to go through and say, you know, am I there today? Are those things going on in my life? And usually if I'm looking, they're not, right? <laughs> so as we move on. So practicing these steps, we had a spiritual awakening about which finally there was no question. I simply am in a place that I could never have gotten on my own. Looking at those who were only beginning, our newcomers, and still doubted themselves, the rest of us were able to see the change setting in. I love that. It's so true. You do see it set in. And it, it's just the most amazing thing. Their whole countenance changes. Their sound of their voice changes. The way they look changes. It's really amazing. From great numbers of such experiences, we could predict that the doubter who still claimed that he hadn't got the spiritual angle and who still considered his well-loved AA group the higher power would presently love God and call him by name. Whew. People resist that. There's, there's things out there, there's ideas out there that this isn't true, right? There's ideas out there that 
there's something greater. There's a knowledge better. There's reason and intellect and things like that. Those just become God. It's the word that's offensive here in our Western culture, in our English language. If you called it Malunganu or Zot or Jujus, you know, other names for God in other cultures, maybe it wouldn't be so offensive. But, you know, people have a God. People do worship different things. Now, what about the rest of the 12th step? The wonderful energy it releases and the eager action by which it carries our message to the next suffering alcoholic and which finally translates the 12 steps into action upon all our affairs, all of them, is the payoff, the magnificent reality of Alcoholics Anonymous. By getting into this 12th step and taking it seriously and thinking, you know what? I'm going to serve God and my fellow man. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look into this world, not for what I'm getting out of it, not for what I want to do, but when it changes, when it pivots, when it shifts on me. Just think of that as the spirit calling on me. It's asking me to do something different than what I want to do and go towards it, knowing I don't know what hangs in the balance, knowing I don't know who I'm going to meet around every corner. I just don't know. And there could be amazing things about to happen if I can relinquish my will over to the care of God as I understand him and just go with it. And I'm not talking about blind faith or stupid leaps of faith that are uneducated and unplanned. I'm talking about people require help in different ways. And when they ask, Agree to do it so long as you can do it. You know, some reason it goes in it, some reasonable decision making. You don't want to put yourself in too much trouble. But it's just about doing for others what you can do. You can't do it for everybody. One thing I love you hear it out in the world is do for one what you want to do for everyone. You can't do it for everyone, but you can pick somebody out and be helpful. Focus on that each day. How do I add to the stream of life we've learned in our big book? How do I focus on what I can do for you and not so much what you're doing for me? How is our chapter opened up? Am I giving to this world without any expectation of anything in return? Goes on, even the newest of the newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his brother alcoholic. That's the newest of newcomers. So if you're a newcomer listening to this, remember your story of yesterday's meeting, how you felt that day, the things you heard, What you're going through in that moment, your circumstances of life are valuable to the person that showed up today. Even the newest of newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his brother alcoholic, the one who is even blinder than he. Key key phrase here, this is indeed the kind of giving that actually demands nothing. It's funny, you'll be very attracted to this. It actually gets sort of addictive in its own way, right? It's sort of addictive in its own way because... You can really empathize with that person. You're like, oh man, I know that day. And then they say some sort of set of words and you're like, oh my God, I said that exact same thing. And you want to, you just can't wait for the meeting to end. You're like, I got to go talk to this person. I think a lot of us have had that experience. He does not expect his brother sufferer to pay him or even to love him. And I would say even to like him. There's some tough conversations. And then he discovers that by the divine paradox, that divine paradox that we found in step one, that through powerlessness, we find the power. Humility gives me the ability that by the divine paradox of this kind of giving is found his own reward. Whether his brother has yet received anything or not, his own character may still be gravely defective, but he somehow knows that God has enabled him to make a mighty beginning. And he senses that he stands at the edge of a new, the edge, that's what a cool idea, stand at the edge of new mysteries, things that we don't know, 
joys and experiences of which he had never, ever, ever dreamed of. It's so much better than what you would plan for yourself. It's a fantastic thing. Goes on, practically every AA member declares that no satisfaction has been deeper. No satisfaction has been deeper. I'm, I'm going to declare that. No satisfaction has been deeper and no joy greater than in a 12-step job well done. It doesn't mean they stayed sober. It means I kept them as the most important thing. And I remained open and available to do what was good and right for them according to how AA taught it to be. Not subjected to me and what I think. I'm not a psychiatrist, addiction counselor. I'm none of those things. I'm not a doctor. I'm none of those things. But what I do have is the book of Alcoholics Anonymous with specific instructions in working with others of how to go about this and specific instructions in two employers about how to go about this. Do I follow those directions? Because if I do, I get that deeper, joyful experience. Goes on. This is a critical idea that's coming up here because this is what we're after. This is why. If you're afraid to sponsor people, if you don't know what to say in meetings, don't worry about it. This is why you do it. To watch the eyes of men and women open with wonder as they move from darkness into light. Hmm. Powerful. To see their lives quickly fill with new purpose and meaning as they go, man, I'm going after this. I'm doing these 12 steps. I'm going to get my spouse back. I'm going to, re I'm going to earn the trust of my kids back. I'm going to get back on my feet financially. I'm going to go get this degree I promised I always would get. I'm going to be this part of society that I really wanted to be. Man, it's amazing. New purpose and meaning to see whole families reassembled, to see the alcoholic outcast received back into his community in full citizenship, and above all, to watch these people awaken to the presence of a loving God in their lives. These things are the substance of what we receive as we carry AA's message to the next alcoholic. You give that to somebody and you can't help but get it back. My story is filled with this kind of thing, filled with it. And I had some very profound experiences of it along the way. Wow, mind-blowing, you know, tingly kind of stuff. It's crazy. And I, I, I'm not alone. They're profound to me. They're commonplace in AA. They're commonplace for people that follow a spiritual path that can humble themselves to the will of God goes on, nor is this the only kind of 12-step work. And this is important, right? Sponsorship and, and getting in the trenches with brand new guys and gals and all that. That's not the only way to go about this. We sit in AA meetings and listen, not only to receive something ourselves, because if you stop right there, that's selfishness. If you're just going to AA to hear what you got, I've had a bad day, I need inspiration. Share about your bad day. It goes on but to give the reassurance and support which our presence can bring. So when you go in, I'm not sharing today. I'm just going to listen. You've cut off that spirit. He may tap you on the shoulder. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know. You bring value every single time. If our turn comes to speak in a meeting, we again try to carry AA's message. Whether our audience is one or many, it is still 12-step work. Sharing in meetings is 12-step work. Sharing your experience Strength and hope is 12-step work. There are many opportunities, even for those of us who feel unable to speak at meetings, who, who are so situated that we cannot do much face-to-face 12-step work. We can be the ones who take on the unspectacular but important tasks that make good 12-step work possible, perhaps arranging for the coffee and cake after the meetings, where so many skeptical, suspicious newcomers have found confidence and comfort in the laughter and talk. 
This is 12-step work in the very best sense of the word. Freely ye have received, freely give, is the core of the spirit of step 12. Remember, this gift of sobriety is free. I want to think I work for it. I really want to think I've done something special. The fact is it's free. It's out there. It existed in its whole form before I ever showed up in an AA meeting. The opportunity remained in God to be sober and live a spiritual life. It was up to me. I denied myself. And when I stopped doing that, it immediately flowed in. Not all at once, of course. And there was some undoing in the, the practice of the steps to do. In any case, it's there. And you can give it to other people. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to say, hey, you mind if I give this to somebody? Just go out there and do it. It's amazing. We may often pass through 12-step experiences where we will seem to be temporarily off the beam, meaning I'm not feeling all that spirit right now. These will appear as big setbacks at the time, but we will be seen later as stepping stones to better things. They'll be seen, so our mistakes are opportunities. The calamity becomes something to learn from and move forward on. It builds in your experience so you can share the strength and hope. For example, we may set our hearts on getting a particular person sobered up. And after doing all we can for months, we see him relapse. Perhaps this will happen in a succession of cases. And we may be deeply discouraged as to our ability to carry AA's message. Or we may encounter the reverse situation in which we are highly elated because we seem to have been successful. Here the temptation is to become rather possessive of these newcomers. I did that at first. Perhaps we try to give them advice about their affairs, which we aren't really competent to give or ought not to give at all. Ooh, I'm guilty of that one. Then we are hurt and confused when the advice is rejected or when it is accepted. Accepted and brings still greater confusion. We give that advice we don't have any business given and we cause further trouble. You want to tell that person to walk out of their marriage. Don't do that. You don't know what God's got going on in their marriage. You want to tell that person to change jobs or step away from this, or they got to do this or that, or they're going to drink again. Try not to do that. Try not to do that unless you're referencing a spot in the book that they can go and see that's outside of you, because there it won't change. But you might change. And my God, the way I look at God, the way God seems to work in life is there's this really kind of maniacal thing about it that as soon as I swear that I don't have a problem, here comes in my life, right? There it is. It'll be front and center. I'll learn I had it all along, right? By a great deal of ardent 12-step work, we sometimes carry the message to so many alcoholics that they place us in a position of trust. They make us, let us say, the group's chairman. Here again, we are presented with the temptation to overmanage things, and sometimes this results in rebuffs and other consequences. 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 I must be thirsty. I need to be consequenced consequences which are hard to take but in the longer run we clearly realize that these are only the pains of growing up and nothing but good can come from them if we turn more and more to the entire 12 steps for the answers so my childish nature my childish nature can be addressed through the 12 steps that i you know i'm sensitive and i'm moody and i don't get what i want i'm a little bit like a two-year-old you know i'm a terrible two and and I just haven't quite grasped onto it. So when I find myself restless, irritable, discontented, you know, depressed, worried, anger, anxiety, any of those things, I can turn back to the entire 12 steps. 
And as I get better at this, there's this idea that the more comfortable I get with the tools of the steps and using them, the greater capacity I'll have to use them across my life. So it's important to practice the 12 steps. It's important to think of them as skills, skills, skills. I don't work them. They change me and I build in skill. I build in my experience and understanding, Bill tells us. That's practice, these 12 steps. And in doing so, I become more comfortable with them. And as I build comfort, my capacity to use them becomes greater. That's Danisms, but I think that that's true. Now comes the biggest question yet. Oh, no. If it was only one question, it's not. It's a big litany of questions. You guys ready? What about the practice of these principles in all our affairs? What about that, Bill? Can we love the whole pattern of living as eagerly as we do the small segment of it we discover when we try to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety? In other words, can I be happy about other troubles? You know, can that, that sense of great satisfaction I get from working with a guy and watching him grow in AA, do I see that in other elements of my life? Can we bring the same spirit of love and tolerance into our sometimes deranged family lives that we bring to our AA group? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Can we have the same kind of confidence and faith in these people who have been infected and sometimes crippled by our own illness that we have in our sponsors? Oh, wow. In other words, can I put the faith in that newcomer? Can I put the faith in my friend that's an alcoholic? Can I see in them the profound message that they bring to me, just like the profound message of my sponsor that's bringing me through these steps. Can I do that? Can we actually carry the AA spirit into our daily work? Can we meet our newly recognized responsibilities to the world at large, financial, things that we make commitments to? One of the things to really watch out for in sober life is how am I keeping the commitments I make to myself? As that erodes, as commitments I make to myself erode, it'll become obvious in the outside world, it'll express out of me, and that I don't very well keep commitments I make to others. And that is a sign of danger, because commitments fail to be kept become resentments, and resentments build up and they weigh me down. And I might have great rationalizations like our book talks about, logic, lies I tell myself that say, ah, it'll be okay, let's just do this or that. And before you know it, I'm just focused on what is easiest for me. What do I benefit the most from? What do I want to do? Whether I like it or not, whether I think it's right or wrong, and that selfish, self-centered, self-pity nature just closes in on me. It's a really dangerous thing. Commitments we keep to ourselves, so important. Can we actually carry the AA spirit into our daily work? Can we meet our newly recognized responsibilities, our commitments, to the world at large, a commitment to stay sober being the paramount one. And can we bring new purpose and devotion to the religion of our choice? Can I expand in my religion instead of just reject it? I got AA now. I don't need that. Hmm. Can we find a new joy of living and trying to do something about all of these things? Wow. He's, he, I swear at the beginning, he just said there was one question. It seemed like there was a lot of them, right? He ain't done yet. Furthermore, how shall we come to terms with seeming failure or success? Seeming being the key word. How you frame it, your experience of it is entirely a choice. Can we now, can we now accept and adjust to either 
seeming failure or seeming success without despair or pride? Can we accept poverty, sickness, loneliness, and bereavement with courage and serenity? I thought I was going to be happy and joyous and free. What is this? (laughs) Where'd that come from? Why do I got to be figuring out a way to deal with poverty, sickness, loneliness, and bereavement? I've I've committed myself to success. I'm going to make this thing work. I'm giving all myself to AA. Where's this coming from? Because we're just living regular life. It's just living regular life. Yeah, that's all it is. And this is the kind of stuff that comes along, well, in everybody's life. Can we steadfastly, which means very devoted, be content with ourselves with the humbler yet sometimes more durable satisfactions when the brighter, more glittering achievements are denied us? Can I be the number four guy instead of the number one guy? Hmm, tough one for me. Can I do things humbly for the benefit of others? There's a great idea that's an old one in business, and that is, can I be the dumbest guy in the room asking all the questions rather than the smartest guy in the room that's telling everyone the answers? It's better to have some of the questions than all of the answers. So that's a whole big, long list of questions. And you, I'm hoping to get a profound answer to each and every one. I think there's some exceptions to them. And I think maybe there's this or that set of circumstances. I mean, surely, you know, there's got to be a way to answer each of those questions. And, and really, we all have unique answers, right? But they're unique to me. I got, oh, oh, hold on. He's got our answer. It says, the AA answer, not Dan Dan's answer, not your answer. The AA answer to these questions about living is... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So ask those questions and say, yes, all of these things are possible. We know this because we see monotony, which is, you know, like a lack of variety, boredom, monotony, pain, and even calamity, calamity, an event that causes harm turned to good use by those who keep on trying to practice AA's 12 steps. And if These are facts of life for the many alcoholics who have recovered. Ooh, there's a lot of stuff in there. If, if these are the facts of life for the many alcoholics who have recovered in AA, they, those people that have recovered, can become the facts of life for many more. Ooh, those things, all those questions answered, yes, all this is possible, can become the facts of life really for anyone for anyone at all. Of course, all AAs, even the best, fall far short of such achievements as a consistent thing. Key key sentence here, without necessarily taking that first drink, we often get quite far off the beam. Our troubles sometimes begin with indifference. I got to watch out for that. We are sober and happy in our AA work. Things go well at home and office. We naturally congratulate ourselves. There's your problem, pride. Congratulate ourselves on what later proves to be a far too easy and superficial point of view, because we're kind of hiding in it, right? We're trying to stay away from these commitments. We temporarily cease to grow because we feel satisfied that there is no need for all of AA's 12 steps for us. Like, so another idea is going to bring this up later in in the book here, but there's, I call it one, two, three, and it's all about me. Because that's it. Like, I I believe I've got this favor from God and then God's protecting me from there. And maybe that's not the most responsible thing. Maybe cleaning house and getting in touch with my character defects, these things that are in my life, maybe just doing some of those things is really, really important. 
maybe, just maybe, uh, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth step are vitally important to maintain that relationship with God. So if you're a one, two, three in me, and you know, your religion taught this or something like that, ask yourself this question. Am I doing what God wants me to do or am I doing what I want to do? That's a simple question. Am I doing what God wants? Am I being the person God wants me to be or am I being the me that's all about me, right? Good questions. We temporarily cease to grow because we feel satisfied. Satisfied. that, And that's a comfortable feeling, right? That's like that first shot of liquor. That's like that first beer. It's very satisfying that there is no need for all of AA's 12 steps for us. We are doing fine on a few of them. Maybe we're doing fine on only two of them. Here it is, the first step and the part of the 12th where we carry the message. In AA slang, that blissful state is known as two-stepping, and it can go on for years. So here's, here's the critical sentence. The best intention of us can fall for the two-step illusion. Sooner or later, the pink cloud stage wears off and things go disappointingly dull. We begin to think that AA doesn't pay off after all. We become puzzled and discouraged and bored and critical. And things start popping up in your mind like, I don't like the people in my group anymore. I don't like how that group is doing things. I don't like this or that about it. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of things. And you become critical that persistently negative framework that uh, sometimes I often think in starts applying itself everywhere again. And it's the disease of alcoholism building up the reasoning, the rationalization, the lies of logic to say, hey, you know what? The heck with it. A, a single beer ain't gonna matter. You don't have to drink wild turkey, right? Just have a beer. And I have like zero chance of a single beer. And I, I guarantee you I'm headed right back to that wild turkey. And you may be headed right back to wherever you went as these kind of thoughts creep in your mind. Then it goes on, then perhaps life, as it has a way of doing, suddenly hands us a great big lump that we can't begin to swallow, let alone digest. We fail to get a worked for promotion. It's funny, it's like uh, personal relationships and work pop up a lot here. We lose that good job. Maybe there are serious domestic or romantic difficulties. There it is. Or perhaps that boy we thought God was looking after becomes a military casualty or somebody, anybody dies, right? I've laid hands on them. We've been praying for their restoration, for the healing and their well-being, and they died anyway. Especially when it comes to things like illness and death. When we pray to change the laws of physics, when we pray to change the biology of somebody, and it doesn't change, sometimes it doesn't. There's no doubt there's a huge positive effect of prayer. Perhaps there's a greater message because there's nothing bad about dying, right? There's nothing bad about that. We all have to do it. And I don't believe that we're all on this earth to go out and then do something bad. You know, everybody's got to go that way. So look for the other opportunities. How can you help bring positive love, tolerance, kindness, patience, and all those things, you know, into relationships around this person that's sick? Not just that person. How do you relieve them of stresses in their life? Because they just may be on that journey that ends their life. It just may be the way God wills it. And if that's the case, continue to pray for their well-being. But maybe it's more of a mental framework. Maybe it's more of a burden lift out of their life. Maybe it's helping them achieve some sort of dream they wanted to do before they do pass on. Those kind of things seem, at least in my experience, to bring a ton of joy. And then their death is always sad. We're built with that. We got grief. And, but we have this other thing going on, too. 
And that is a great sense of contentment that we served them well. And that, my friends, is worth it. And I don't mean to go off on that so much, but that's a, I think that's a really critical thing. A lot of people go back out upon the death of someone they really love and depend on. So what then have we alcoholics in AA got, or can we get the resources to meet these calamities, which come to so many? These were problems of life, which we could never face up to. Can we now, with the help of God, as we understand him, handle them as well and as bravely as our non-alcoholic friends often do? Can we transform these calamities into assets? Absolutely, you can. Sources of growth and comfort to ourselves and to those about us. That's what I was talking about relative to death. Well, we surely have a chance if we switch from two-stepping to 12-stepping. If we are willing, make that agreement with ourselves, to receive that grace of God, which can sustain and strengthen us in any catastrophe. How do you switch from two-stepping to 12-stepping? How do you switch from one, two, three, and it's all about me? You tap into that grace of God that you didn't give yourself. You tap into this new life, and remember, you didn't make it, and you begin to give it away freely, because that's what can sustain you and strengthen you in any catastrophe. Our basic troubles are the same as everyone else's, but when an honest effort is made to practice these principles in all our affairs, well-grounded AAs seem to have the ability, by God's grace, to take these troubles in stride and turn them into demonstrations of faith. We have seen AA suffer lingering and fatal illnesses with little complaint and often in good cheer. We have sometimes seen families broken apart by misunderstanding tensions or actual infidelity who are reunited by the AA way of life. So we're going to stop there because that, that's the idea, the spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. That's what we've been talking about all along. We'll pick up a little bit more of that here in part two of step 12. Uh, the critical idea is just this, that it's the learning of the steps, the practicing of this tool that expands your ability to function well in life, maybe even exceedingly well and not get disturbed so easily and be so sensitive all of the time. Sure, we drop our guard down. No one's perfect at this. And there will be things that we just don't see coming that come and just grab you and you're like, oh, and it gets you. And we can back right up into these steps. We can see how our role in it, our part played, we can see that the only thing we control about it is us and begin to use spiritual tools, prayer, meditation, and service to say them generally to change us so that we're ready to take on the situation as it presents itself, as it presents itself. So the critical ingredient of the spiritual awakening is that you have become able to do things you are unable to do. And a great discussion would be to point out or talk about what might come to mind when you hear that. What are you able to do today? Even if it was like earlier today. What are you able to do today that you were unable to do in the past? What is it about your life today that is better, that you always wanted to be better? Could be relationships or work. You know, that's a, a fairly common focus for Bill. It could be anything else. It could be a relationship with your children. It could be a hobby. It could be school, anything. What is it that in your life that has gotten better as a result of getting involved with AA? And another thing you can talk about is, what do you think a spiritual awakening is? And that seems like a touchy topic. Every answer is correct. What is that spiritual awakening for you? What's it feel like when you think you've had a spiritual awakening? 
I hope you have a great discussion.